Happy New Year, Orchard Church. Take out your Bibles, your mobile devices this morning. Turn to the book of Philippians. Who's excited to start our new study in Philippians today? You guys excited about this? It's going to be a good time as you're finding your way to the book of Philippians this morning. Um, can we just celebrate again 21 baptisms in November that you guys just watched this morning? That's awesome. Uh, I recently read that the, the average American church baptizes seven or less people every year. And I think my count is right. We baptized 135 people in 2015 here at Orchard Church. So that is definitely something to celebrate. Um, and if you weren't able to make it to one of our four Christmas Eve services, uh, we had a record attendance this year. We had 700 more people this year than a year ago. We had over 2,200 that attended our Christmas Eve services and 20 plus people accepted Christ. So can we celebrate that as well? It was awesome. Um, it's, if you weren't able to be here or out of town or whatever, you can go to our website and you can watch that and, and check out the service there. Um, some of you may have heard about this. In the last service, we did something really special. We had a pizza delivered from a Domino's pizza delivery guy to the stage, and we gave him a $1,000 tip on Christmas Eve to help him and his family. Uh, he was going through a hard time this Christmas season. So if you want to watch that, go to our Facebook page, and the video is there. But we were able as a church to be a blessing to him. It was a really cool thing, one of the favorite things that we did on, on Christmas Eve, so you're going to want to check that out. Well, today we are starting our new series in the book of Philippians. This is going to be about an eight-week series. This is one of our favorite ways to study the Bible here at Orchard Church. When we go to a book of the Bible, we start in chapter 1, verse 1, and we work our way verse by verse all the way through. This is like our 24th or 25th book of the Bible that we've studied all the way through in the last 10 years. We're calling this the pursuit of happiness. Very appropriate as we start a brand new year, and we're saying, Happy New Year to everyone. How do we make sure it is a happy new year? How do we uh, pursue happiness? What does that look like? We know our Declaration of Independence says that we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So we're going to talk about this from the book of Philippians. Let me ask you this question by a show of hands. How many of you would like to be happier in 2016 than you were in 2015? Even if it was a good year, would you like to be happier this year? Okay, look, look around. All right. If, if somebody doesn't have their hand up, you might want to avoid them this year. Or give them a big hug and tell them you love them and that you're praying for them this year so that hopefully they'll have a happier year. Um, I hope you'll take some notes as we go through this series. Even if you don't keep them after today, it'll help you get more out of the, the series if you'll take some notes on the back of your newsletter. And I just want to begin by giving you three principles of happiness that are going to surface throughout this series. You're going to hear me talk about these just to kind of give us the context for the, this series, Pursuit of Happiness. Three principles. First principle of happiness is this. Number one, happiness. Happiness isn't a goal. Happiness isn't a goal. It's a result. It's a byproduct of right thinking, uh, right living, right acting. And we're going to learn how to do that in this series. Um, if happiness is your goal in life, you're going to be unhappy. You're going you're gonna to be miserable. You're going to live a very self-centered life if that's your goal. It's a byproduct of something else. Uh, number two, happiness based on happenings is temporary. Happiness based on happenings is temporary. It only lasts as long as the occasion. You know, we're really happy at Christmas because we get to give gifts to people. People give gifts to us. We're really happy. And then January, the bill comes. And we're not happy. We go on vacation. We go to Disney World. We have a great time and we're happy. And then we got to pay for it. And we're not happy. So happiness based on happenings is temporary. We're going to talk about a different kind of happiness. Number three, this one you're going to hear a lot. Happiness is a choice. 
Happiness is a choice. After you write that down, turn to the person next to you and just say, happiness is a choice. So choose to be happy. <laughs> happiness is a choice. I was reminded of this uh, just last week. Uh, the Broncos played the Bengals. And there was a family in our church that loved their pastor so much that he gave me uh, his two tickets to go to the game. I think he knew it was going to be the third coldest game in Broncos history. And so he gives me, so I invited, I thought, well, who am I going to invite to go to the third coldest game? So I invited Marcial from Mexico. He said, brother, you think it's going to be cold? I'm like, yes, Marcial, it's going to be freezing. And so, but we had a choice. Are we going to be happy that we're at the Broncos game and we beat the Bengals? Or are we going to focus on the fact that we cannot feel our toes? We cannot feel our fingers. Now, I'll tell you this. We were much happier in the second half of the game than we were the first half of the game. It was much easier to be happy. When we were down 14 to nothing and we were freezing to death, I was like, let's just leave. But I'm glad we didn't. We stuck it out for the whole game. But happiness, as we're going to learn in this series, is a choice. You can choose to be happy or you can choose to be miserable. So as we jump into this, let me, I want to give you a little bit of context of the book of Philippians because it's important that we know the context. I teach this all the time at Orchard Church. The three most important rules of Bible study are, help me church, context, context, context. So I'm going to give you some context. And I want to encourage you guys through this series, bring your Bibles, okay? We're going to put these verses on the screen for guests that may come that don't have their Bibles. Um, or if you have a different version, I'm actually going to be using the New Living Translation uh, for this study. I got a new Bible for the new year. Now, some of y'all are like, wow, that is a big Bible. You know, Pastor, are you just trying to be extra spiritual with this very big, large Bible? No, here's the deal. Um, I had bought another Bible a few years ago, and I've used it for the last few years, and it was a large print Bible. This is what you call a giant print Bible. Because for some reason, the font keeps shrinking in my Bible. So I went to the giant print Bible. Can anybody else relate to that? Okay. I don't know why I'm telling you that. It just feels, I just feel better talking about it, you know, just getting it out. So I'm using this new living translation. I, I read through the Bible last year in the NLT and I just loved it. And so we're going to do our study in this. So if you want to know what version we're following along, it's new living translation. We will put them on the screen. But bring your Bibles so that you can take notes, you can underline, highlight things, you know, bring your mobile devices. You can do highlighting and things in there as well. But I'm really excited about this series to get back into a book of the Bible. And I, I didn't realize that there are other people that were excited about this series, but they weren't able to make it to this series. Uh, some pretty famous people. Did any of you guys see what happened in the Miss Universe pageant with Steve Harvey announcing the wrong winner? Well, he tweeted this out right after it happened. He said, I want to apologize emphatically to Miss Philippians. So he's really bummed he can't be here for this study. The poor guy could not get it right. So, But we're excited we're here for this study. So let me give you some context. The book of Philippians is, uh, is not a long book. It's a short book. It's only about four chapters long. I encourage you to read through the entire book uh, in the next couple of weeks to kind of get a feel for it. You can read through it in about 10, 15 minutes. But it's one of the happiest books in the Bible. In these four short chapters, uh, the word happy, joy, rejoice, gladness, glad are found 17 times as you read through this book. Who wrote the book of Philippians? We believe the writer was the Apostle Paul. And it's interesting when you find out where he wrote this book from. 
from. He wrote it in about 60 AD when he was in prison in Rome. He had been put in prison because of his faith and he wrote four of our New Testament books and this is one of them, which it's interesting. He's writing this book from a prison in Rome and yet he talks about happiness, gladness, and rejoicing. What does that let us know? Happiness is a choice and we're going to learn that from Paul. Who's he writing this to? It's a letter. It's actually a very personal, loving thank you note to the church in Philippi, in the city of Philippi. And this was a church that Paul started. He started this church on his second missionary journey. He is now hundreds of miles away from them, but he wants to send them a very personal thank you note. This is not a letter of rebuke like some of his letters, like First and Second Corinthians. This is a letter of encouragement. It's a letter of gratefulness and thankfulness, and it's going to encourage us uh, how to be happy. So ha- now if you, if you want to be happy, wh- wh- where would you start? I mean, if you're going to write a book about happiness, what would you talk about first? I mean, would you talk about money? A lot of people think that money will make you happy. Would you, would you talk about sex? Some people think that will make you happy. Um, would you talk about possessions? You know, with, because people think, well, if I have this or I have that, it will make me happy. You know where Paul starts? He starts with relationships. Because isn't it true? It's impossible to be happy without healthy relationships. If you have unhappy relationships, it's hard to be happy. If you agree, say yes. I mean, you can have all the things and all the stuff in the world, but if you don't have a happy, happy marriage, happy relationship with your kids, happy relationship with your coworkers, your family members, you're not going to be happy. So we're going to start talking about happiness, happiness in relationships, because that's where Paul starts. And in these first 11 verses, Paul describes his relationship with the believers there in Philippi. And in his description of his relationship with them, he basically reveals four relational practices. If you want to be happy in your relationships, then you got to build these practices into your life. Make a choice to do these things this year, and you'll have happier relationships, and you'll be much happier because of the relationships in your life. Now, as we go through these four things, and I hope you'll take some notes, they're, they're easy to understand. You've heard these before, most of them, and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that, but you don't do them, and neither do I all the time. The the key is not just that we know them and not that we understand them, but that we practice them. Amen? That we put them into practice in our life if we want to have happy relationships. So let's dive right in. What is the first key to happy relationships? What's the first practice? I got to thank God for the people in my life. I have to learn to thank God for the people in my life. We start in Philippians chapter 1 verse 1 and Paul says this. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi. That's the city who belong to Christ Jesus. So he's writing to the believers in that city, including the church leaders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So there's his introduction. Now he gets into his first subject. He says, every time I think of who? You. Very personal note. Every time I think of you, I give what, church? Thanks to my God. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to To my God. The first key to happy relationships is we have to practice the idea of thanking God for the people in our life. Study after study, psychologists, sociologists have told us that there's a direct link between gratitude and happiness. The more gratitude we have, the more thankful we are, the happier we will be. 
And you and I will be much happier in our relationships and they'll be much more enjoyable if we develop an attitude of gratitude in 2016 when it comes to our relationships. I mean, we can only imagine how this would change our relationship with our spouse if we're more thankful for our spouse. If, if we would be more thankful for our kids, if we'd be more thankful for our parents, we'd be thank, more thankful for our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, be more thankful for our boss. And some of you are like, well, I have a boss that it's really hard to be thankful for. But you know what? There's always something you can be thankful for because if you have a boss, it means you have a job, which means you have a paycheck. And there's a lot of people who don't, Amen. And they'd love to trade places with you. We can always find something to be thankful for. And what Paul says here, when he starts this out, he writes this personal note to the church at Philippi. He says, every time I think of you, I choose to give thanks to God. I remember the good things about you. I focus on the good times that we had when I was there and when this church got started. You see, this is a key. When marriages, marriages die, when we stop doing this, when we stop being thankful for our spouse, that's when a marriage starts heading in the wrong direction. It's easy sometimes just to focus on the bad things and the negative things instead of the good things. I remembered a story about two men. They were at work, and the one man was talking to his friend, and he said, you know, my wife and I, we really got into an argument last night, and she got really historical on me. And he said, you mean she got hysterical? And he said, no, she got historical. She brought up every bad thing that I've ever done. She was not choosing to be thankful. Paul made a choice in his relationships. He says, I'm going to thank God for the people in my life. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. You may be thinking, well, man, he must have had a great time when he was in Philippi. I mean, it must have just been a Disneyland party all the time. It must have just been great. I want you to write this down. Acts chapter 16. It's a parallel to the book of Philippians because Paul details all the things that happened when he went to Philippi. And what you'll read is this. When Paul was in Philippi, he was beaten, he was whipped, he was humiliated, he was arrested, he was falsely accused, he was put into jail, he survived an earthquake. And if that wasn't bad enough, they kicked him out of the city. And now he writes back to the people there and he goes, I just thank God for you guys. He is choosing... To be thankful. He's choosing to be happy. He chose to not dwell on the painful memories, but to, to dwell on the good memories and to be thankful. What a challenge that is for us and how that might change our relationships. I mean, when you think about the people in your life, are you grateful for the people in your life? Or do you think about all the ways they've let you down, all the ways they bug you and perturb you? And the truth is this. This is the challenge we all face when it comes to relationships. The longer you know someone, the more you take them for granted. Isn't that true? The longer you know someone, the more you take them for granted, the more you focus on their faults, the more you remember the bad times instead of the good times. You know, in your marriage, even if your marriage right now is struggling, maybe if you're like, I don't even know if we're going to make it through 2016, go back to when you first met. And I bet you can think of some good times. You know, you didn't marry somebody because you were having bad times. You can go back and choose to think of the good times and go back and do those things. And throughout this series, in your notes, at times, I'm going to give you what I'm going to call happiness hashtags. Little thoughts to help you remember the teaching from the book of Philippians. And here's your first happiness hashtag when it comes to relationships. We're going to do this. Remember the best and forget the rest. You want to change your relationships? You want to thank God for people? Then choose to remember the best and forget the rest. Let's say that together, church. What are we going to do? We're going to remember the best and forget the rest. 
You think that might make a difference in your relationships? I know it would in mine. We need to develop a selective memory and choose to remember the good things and the positive things and not the negative things. I heard about two ladies that were talking and one lady said, you know, you remember when your husband did that, 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 that. And she goes, I distinctly remember choosing to forget that. We can make a choice. I'm only going to remember the good things. I'm not going to remember the bad things. What some of you may need to do as you start 2016 is make two lists. First, make a list of all the people in your life, your family members, your coworkers, your neighbors, the people that in your sphere of influence that you, you rub shoulders with on a regular basis and write all the positive things that you possibly can about them. Thank God for all the good things you can. Then I want you to make another list. Of all the negative things about them. You say, I might need several sheets of paper. We'll do whatever. Okay? Write it all down. And then burn the negative list. Burn it. Say, and I'm going to choose to focus on these things. The positive things. I'm going to remember the best. And I'm going to forget the rest. If you want happy relationships, first of all, you've got to choose to thank God for the people in your life. Just like Paul did. Here's the second thing. The second practice. If you want to be happy... In 2016, and you want to have happier relationships, not only are you going to thank God for the people in your life, I'm going to pray for the people in my life. I'm going to pray for the, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, I know we're supposed to pray for each other. But do you do it? Do you do it? Do I do it enough? Pray for the people in your life. This is what Paul did. Look at verse 4. Paul said, whenever I what? Oh, thank you, all three of you. That's so encouraging. Come on. This is a participatory church, okay? Whenever I pray, there we go, I make my request for all of you. And I do it in a certain way, Paul says. I do it with what? Joy. Joy. That's the key. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news. The good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ, about Christ from the time you first heard about it until now. You know, I mean, how cool would it be to get a letter from the Apostle Paul who wrote over half the New Testament and says, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. That'd be pretty cool. And that was this letter. This church got this letter from Paul. I'm praying for you. And isn't it an encouragement when you have people in your life that are praying for you? It encourages me. Sometimes, you know, I'll have people post on my Facebook page or send me a little note. Hey, pastor, just want you to know I'm praying for you. Man, I appreciate that. I need that. I feel those prayers. We all, I mean, that's one of the things I do like about Facebook and social media. People can put a prayer request on there and then people can start saying, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. Isn't it an encouragement when you know you have people praying for you? But we often don't pray for people enough. Or we pray for our friends and we pray for the ones we love. but, But what about the people that are hard to get along with? I want you to do this for a second. I want you to think about someone in your life who irritates you. Now, I said think about them. Don't look at them. Some of y'all started looking at people. Just think about them. Don't point at them, okay? Think about someone who irritates you and ask yourself these two questions. Do I ever pray for them? Do I ever pray for that coworker that irritates me? Do I ever pray for that boss that irritates me? Do I ever pray for that neighbor? I'll tell you, that's convicting to me. I got some neighbors. They don't go to Orchard Church. I've been trying to get them to. And they sometimes irritate me, but I, I, can't, I can't think of the last time I prayed for them. I need to. Do you, do you pray for them? Or do you complain about them? Do you nag them? Do you grumble about them? How many of you know that grumbling, complaining, and nagging never changed anybody? It doesn't change anybody, but prayer does. 
So why do we do more of the things that don't work and less of the things that do? Let's just make a decision this year that, you know, I'm going to pray for people. And if you do pray for them, how do you pray for them? Hopefully you don't pray, okay, God, you said vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So that's what I'm calling down some vengeance, God. No. How did Paul pray for them? He says, I pray for you with what? Joy. Joy. Here's another happiness hashtag. Positive praying is more powerful than positive thinking. Positive praying is more powerful than positive thinking. Now, you know, everybody talks about positive thinking, and there's nothing wrong with positive thinking. I mean, I would rather you think positively in 2016 than negatively. But you know what? Positive thinking can only change you. But positive praying can change somebody else. It can change somebody else. And it can change you. It can change you. You say, well, I, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. Okay, I know I need to pray for my spouse more. I need to pray for my kids more. I need to pray for my friends more. I need to pray for that person that irritates me more. So what do I pray? How do I pray? Well, here's the good news. Paul not only said that he prayed for them, he gives us his prayer list right here in this chapter. In verses 9 through 11, he shares the prayer. And this could be our prayer for people in our life and even for ourselves this could be our, our, our blueprint for prayer for 2016, how to pray for people. Here, here's four things right here. Let me give them to you real quick. Paul said first, pray that they will grow in love. Verse 9. Verse 9. Look at verse 9. Paul says, I pray that your love will overflow, how? More and more. Pray that people in your life, and, and you can pray this prayer for yourself, that you would grow in love. Do you think all of our relationships, our church, our community, our workplaces would be better if we just loved people better? If we grew in our love? Now, there's two ways we should grow in our love. And it's based upon what Jesus was asked. When some religious leaders came to Jesus one day and they said, Okay, there's like 613 some laws in the Old Testament. All the laws, Jesus, if you had to only pick one law, what would it be? And you remember what Jesus' answer was? He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. But then he added one more thing. And then love your neighbor like yourself. You know, if we would all just choose this year to love God more and love people more, it would radically change all of our lives. Pray that for yourself and pray that for other people. That's what Paul prayed. I pray that you would grow in your love more and more. That it would overflow. Here's the second thing that he prayed. He says, pray that not only for people that they would grow in love, but pray that they would grow in God's word. What a great prayer. For all of us for 2016. In verse 9 he says. And I pray that you will keep on growing. In what? Knowledge and understanding. Where do we gain our knowledge and understanding? As believers from God's word. Proverbs says. Out of the mouth of the Lord. Comes knowledge and understanding. This is why we're always challenging you guys. Get into discipleship. So you can grow into God's word. Get into a small group. Where you can grow in God's word. You know. This is a great time of the year. To make a decision. That I'm going to get into God's word this year. On a regular basis. I was encouraged yesterday. Watching all the people on Facebook. Starting the read through the Bible this year plan. There's a great app that is out there. It's called the YouVersion app. Download that app. They've got hundreds of Bible reading plans. Plans that will take you through the entire Bible. In the year by reading about five to ten minutes a day you can read through the entire Bible there's one that you can read through the entire Bible in six months by reading about 15-20 minutes a day they have plans that are last a couple of weeks uh, to a month just pick one Decide that this year I'm going to grow in God's word. I want to pray that other people will grow in God's word that the first time I open the Bible is not going to be on Sunday morning it's going to be on Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning and I promise you guys 
That'll be a game changer in your life and the life of others. Pray that for yourself. Pray that for other people and then do it. Pray that people will grow in, in, in love. Pray that people will grow in God's word. Here's the third thing that Paul prayed for the church in Philippi. Pray that people would grow in integrity. Wouldn't you like to have some people of integrity around you? More, more integrity from your kids? More character from your kids? More, more integrity in your workplace? Well, verse 10, this is what Paul prayed. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. I pray that we would take what we understand and learn from God's word, we apply it to our lives, and we live it out in integrity, live pure and holy lives, that we're doers of God's word and not just hearers of God's word. And then the fourth thing he prayed was this, and this is a great prayer. This is what we should all be praying and striving for as Christians. Pray that people would grow in Christ-likeness. Verse 11. He said, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The righteous, what's the next word? Help me out, church. Character, the righteous character produced in your life by who? Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Imagine what it would be like if this year we all made it a goal that we'd be more like Christ than we were last year. That's what the word Christian means, little Christ. And then we would, we would strive for that. And then we would pray that for ourselves. And we would pray that for the other people in our life. I mean, what a great blueprint for prayer this year. Pray that people would grow in their love. Pray that, pray that people would, would grow in, in how they care about one another. That they would grow in God's word. They would grow in integrity and to be like Christ. That, there's a blueprint right there. You know, a lot of times we don't know how to pray for people. You ever had somebody ask you to pray for them, but you really didn't know what to pray? You know what I'm talking about? This is a, this is a way to pray for them. And, and we don't always know how God's going to answer our prayers. You know, I believe God answers all of our prayers. He always answers. Sometimes his answer is yes. Sometimes his answer is no. And sometimes his answer is not yet. Not yet. But here's the cool thing. When you pray according to God's word... A prayer right out of God's word, you know that that is a prayer that God is always going to answer because it's according to God's word and God's will. Amen? You can never go wrong praying God's word. It's one of the most powerful things you can do. Pray this over your life, your kid's life, your spouse, your friends, your small group, and it will radically change your relationships in 2016. The key to happy relationships is that we make a choice. I'm going to thank God for the people in my life this year. I'm going to pray God's word, these four things, over people in my life this year. Here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. And this can be a challenge. I'm going to expect the best from people in my life this year. I'm going to expect the best. Go back to verse 6. Paul says this. And, he's, and again, he's writing this to the church in Philippi. And he says this about them. And I am, what's the next word? I'm certain there's something he is certain, he's confident, he's sure about. Paul says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Now, had they fully arrived with everything that God wanted to do in their life? No. But God was working in their life. And Paul says, listen, I started this church. I led many of you to Christ. I baptized you. I discipled you. And God is not finished with you yet. Aren't you glad as we go into 2016 that God is not finished with us yet? Boy, I'm glad. There's some areas of my life I know I've got a long way to go and a long way to grow. And how encouraging would it be to have someone like the Apostle Paul say, listen, I am certain 
that what God started doing, he's going to continue doing. I'm expecting the best from you and what God's going to do. In other words, make a habit of believing in people rather than criticizing people. How might that change our relationships? I'm going to believe in people instead of criticizing people. I mean, look at your relationships. Do you build people up or do you tear people down? Do you give people confidence or do you discourage them? Your spouse, your kids, your family. See, the Apostle Paul was a pro at bringing out the best in people. And how did he do this? He believed in people. And he gave them confidence. And they rose to the occasion. We all need people in our life. Don't we all need people in our life to believe in us? You know, I've seen this probably play out with my kids um, more than any, anywhere else. Um, my, my kids are now uh, 18 and 20, which is why I need a giant print Bible. And, uh, you know, watching them grow up, Shelly and I just made a decision as parents. You know, we are going to believe in our kids. We're going we're gonna to expect the best from them. We're going to believe the best from them, and no matter what happens, because everybody needs somebody to believe in them. I mean, this world is hard enough. And we just say, you know, we're, we're going to be their biggest fan. And, uh, you know, especially with our son, you know, he, he played sports from the womb, you know, from the moment he could walk. You know, he was picking up a baseball bat and a golf club. And, you know, we got him into soccer and t-ball. And, I mean, we couldn't keep him out of it. And so we got to watch him grow in, in his sports career. And we also got to watch a lot of other parents with their kids. I mean, I've been to hundreds and hundreds and thousands of Little League games and soccer games and football games. And it always broke my heart when I would see a kid struggling on the field, strike out, you know, or miss a tackle. And a parent would stand up in the stands and just yell at them and just and, and get them, you know, in their face after a game. And I mean, I would just think, I can't believe that you're doing this to, to your kid I mean, and I never saw that bring out a positive result in a kid. I never saw a kid get better because a parent didn't believe in them. And, and so we just made a decision. We're going we're gonna to believe in our kids no matter what they go through. And I, I'll never forget Caleb's junior year um, of high school. He graduated from Prairie View High School right here in 2014. And his junior year going into his senior year that summer, his dream was to play college baseball. And so that summer, he went on uh, this traveling team. They went to showcases, you know, all around the country where college coaches would go and scouts. And they would offer kids scholarships, you know, based upon what they saw. And so Caleb has always been, you know, super fast and really good defense. But, you know, batting in, in baseball is an up and down thing. You know, you have good seasons and bad seasons. And so this was a huge pivotal summer to try to get a college scholarship. And he started off the, the summer and he wasn't batting well and he was struggling and then he started forcing things and then he hurt, he was trying to swing too hard and he hurt his wrist. Something snapped and he busted one of the tendons, something happened and he still tried to keep playing because, you know, we'd spent all this money and showcases and, you know, this was his shot. And he saw friend after friend get all these offers, you know, to baseball scholarships and he wasn't getting offers because he was struggling and he was injured. And so I remember he came home that summer and he was as defeated as I've ever seen him in sports. And he's usually never discouraged. And mom and I just, we prayed with him and we encouraged him and we said, you know what? God has a plan for you, Caleb. God knows what's going to happen. God knows where you're supposed to be. And you know, it's going to be okay. We believe in you. 
He started his senior year playing baseball here at Prairie View High School. His senior year, if you know anything about baseball, he batted over 500 his entire senior year. He set the stolen base record in Colorado for State 5A. He was the first uh, athlete here in baseball to get named to. Uh, he was the all-conference player of the year and made the all-state team his senior year in high school. I mean, it was a career year for him, and then he got a, a scholarship offer. And, you know, we know that would not have happened had we not encouraged him and believed him and said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Now he's living his dream. Our daughter, um, we had to homeschool her the last few years of high school because she has some health challenges. She just couldn't stay healthy in school. And so um, we homeschooled her. And she had to take her final test to try to, to graduate. And there were four tests. And three of them she just breezed right through. But the fourth was the math test. And she never has done well at math, and she can blame her daddy for that, okay? That's why I'm a pastor and not a mathematician, okay? And so, I, I mean, she'd bring home the stuff. I'm like, I can't help you. Maybe mom can help you. And she always struggled in math, and she took the test, and she failed it. She took the test, and she failed it. And she was just convinced she's never going to pass the math test, and she's never going to graduate. And we said, we believe in you. Work hard. God's going to bless you. We prayed with her. You're, you're going to be okay. And she took the test one more time, and she passed, and she graduated a year early from high school before all of her friends, you know? And yeah, we can celebrate that. It was awesome. It was awesome. But it was because there were some people that loved her and believed in her. And we all need people in our life like that, that'll believe in us because we all have the power to build people up or we have the power to tear people down. Let me give you a happiness hashtag that'll help you. Here's one. Don't tell it like it is. Tell it like it could be. Amen? Don't, don't tell it like it is. Tell it like it could be. Some people say, well, I just tell it like it is. Well, you might, but you're not going to have many friends that way. Tell it like it could be. Believe in people and what God can do in their life. Studies tell us that we tend to live up to what is expected of us. You know, celebrate how far people have come rather than judging them for how far they still need to go. Be patient with their progress. I heard this at a conference recently, and I haven't forgot it. And, and I needed to hear this because I can be a bit of a perfectionist. If you, if you know me, I, I'm, I'm a perfectionist. And I needed to hear this, especially in, for people in my life. And it was this. Celebrate progress, not perfection. Celebrate progress, not perfection. If you're waiting for perfect people, you're going to be unhappy. Because there are no perfect people. And you're not one of them. And I'm not one of them. But celebrate progress. And the key to being patient with people and their progress is that you really love them. And that's the fourth, fourth thing that Paul did. Number four, like Jesus, love the people in my life. If I want to have better relationships in 2016, I've got to love people in my life like Jesus. Verse 7, Paul says this in verse 7. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a what? Special place in my heart. You see his love for these people. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and defending and confirming the truth of the good news. Love people like Jesus. You, you know what I found out in my life? If people aren't on my heart, they're on my nerves. <laughs> you ever find that? If people aren't on my heart, they're on my nerves. If I'm not praying for people, I'm perturbed by people. We got to get people in our heart. You, you know why we, we can be so patient with our kids so many times? Because we love them. We need to extend that same love to other people in our life. When you have people in your heart and you love them, you know what you're going to do? You're going to thank God for them. You're going to pray for them. You're going to expect the best from them. And you're going to love them like Jesus. And in verse 8, look at what Paul says as he closes this out. He says, God knows how much, say it church, I what? 
I love you. These people in his life, he says, God knows how much I love you and I long for you with the tender compassion of who? Christ Jesus. I love you like Jesus loves me and Jesus loves you. You know, I can really, as I was studying this and I was thinking about, here's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church that he started. He birthed this church. No wonder he felt this way about these people. And I I thought, man, I can identify with Paul. Because 10 years ago, we had the privilege and honor to start this church and to birth this church. And we've seen hundreds and thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We've seen thousands of people baptized, discipled. We've seen God do amazing things. And and I, I would say to you guys the same thing that Paul said to this church. I want you to know, Orchard Church, I thank God for you. I thank God for this church. I, I sometimes talk to other pastor friends of mine, and all they do is complain about their church. And I, I just go, well, I thank God for my church. I, I, when I go to other churches, I miss Orchard Church. I want to be back here. I don't feel any more welcome and loved and at home than I do in this place. You know, when I go speak somewhere else, I enjoy it, but I want to get back here. I thank God for you guys. I want you to know I pray for you guys. I know I know some of you better than I know others, but I pray for all of you. I pray for our church. I thank God for our church. And I expect the best from this church. We've seen God do some amazing things in the last 10 years, but I believe he's just getting started. Amen? And I think 2016, are you guys excited for Orchard Church in 2016? I mean, it's going to be an amazing year. We believe this is the year we're going to break ground, our first permanent facility to reach more people for Christ. We believe we're going to see more people saved and baptized than we ever have, have before. And, and we need to love each other the way Christ loves us. And so I understand why Paul felt this way about these people. I, I want to wrap this up with, with this thought. You know, we're all very familiar with John 3.16. Most of us can quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And we're really quick to memorize John 3.16 and quote John 3.16. But there's a companion verse to this that I want you to remember. Just add a one to John 3.16. It's 1 John 3.16. And listen to what it says. It starts out like John 3.16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. Can we have an amen to that? We as Christians, of all the people in the world, we know what real, true love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. But 1 John 3.16 doesn't stop there. It says, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. It takes it another step further. Imagine what 2016 would be like. Imagine what your marriage would be like. Imagine what your home would be like. Imagine what your neighborhood. Imagine what this community and this church. I mean, we have over 2,000 people that call Orchard Church their church home. If we would all love all the people in our sphere of influence this year like Jesus loves us. If we would offer and extend the same grace and mercy, and forgiveness to other people, and acceptance that Jesus has extended to us, I don't think we can even fathom or imagine how radically that could change our lives and our community. Amen? That we would love people like Jesus with a sacrificial, unconditional love. Happy relationships begin 
by making a decision. I'm going to thank God for the people in my life this year. I'm going to pray some specific prayers for the people in my life this year. I'm going to expect the best. And I'm going to forget the rest for people in my life this year. And I'm going to love people like Jesus. Remember, Orchard Church, happiness is a choice. How will you choose to improve your relationships in 2016? Which of these practices that Paul mentions do you need to put into practice and adopt in your life? It could be a game changer for all of us. Father, we thank you for your word and the challenge of the Apostle Paul that we would put into practice the things that he displayed and modeled toward the church in Philippi. That we would thank God for the people in our life, that we would love people in our life, that we would pray for people, that we would expect the best and love them like Jesus. May we not just hear these things and understand them today and put them on our notes and fill in the blanks and call it another Sunday, but may we truly build these practices and habits into our life, in our marriage, in our families, in our sphere of influence, and see the radical difference it can make. We continue in an attitude of prayer right now. Let me just ask you this, Orchard Church. Which of these practices do you need to focus on in 2016? Who do you need to thank God for? Who do you need to pray for more? Who do you need to expect the best from and celebrate their progress and not perfection? Who, who, do you, who is it hard to love in your life that you need to love like Jesus? And I want you to think about what, what's the one thing that God spoke to you about in this message today. Don't, don't try to pick five or ten things. Just, just one. What's the one thing that you'd say, you know, I need to start doing this to have happier, healthier relationships in 2016. Or I need to stop doing this. I need to stop nagging. I need to stop criticizing. I need to stop focusing on the negative and focus on the positive. If God has spoken to you in some particular way, I'd love the privilege to pray for you. Would you slip up your hand for prayer and say, yes, God has spoken to me. Would you pray for me that I would build some of these practices into my relationships this year? Put them up nice and high. Put them up nice and high. God bless you. God bless your hands in every section, everywhere. Father, I pray that we would be doers of your word and not just hearers, and that we would build these practices into our life and to our marriages, and that it would radically change our relationships. And if we want to be happier, that it would start with happier relationships, and that we would do our part. As we continue in an attitude of prayer, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the most important relationship. You're not going to be happy in any other relationship until you have a personal relationship with Jesus, the true source of joy and happiness. You can't possibly love other people like Jesus until you know Jesus. And maybe the best way for you to start 2016, to start the new year, is to start with new life in Christ. Today to say, you know what, I'm tired of going another year just trying to do things my way and on my own. It hasn't worked well. I'm ready to invite Jesus into my life. I'm ready to accept him. I want to start a relationship with Jesus that I believe could change all my other relationships. If that's you today, I want to lead you in a prayer of faith that you can pray right now from your heart to God. It's not a magic prayer, magic words, but if you believe it, Jesus can be your Lord and Savior today. You can begin a new relationship with Christ. Would you pray this prayer with me if that's you today, God speaking to you in that, in that way? Jesus, I do believe in you. I need you in my life. Jesus, 
I'm inviting you by faith to be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I want to know you. I want a relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I never want to do that. But I'd love the privilege and honor to pray for you if you just made the greatest decision you could ever make. I'd, I'd like to pray that you would grow this year in your, with your walk and your relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you just slip up your hand for prayer? Yes, I prayed that prayer, Pastor. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you. Yes, someone else. God bless you. Anyone else? Just put up your hand. Yes, I prayed that prayer. Yes, over here. God bless you. I see your hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Just put it up so I can see it. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Yep. Several people. Let me pray for you. Father, I I thank you for those today turning from death to life, starting a new year with new life in Christ, a fresh start, a new beginning. Thank you that you are a God that loves us so much unconditionally that you're a God of second chances. And I thank you for all those putting their faith and trust in you today. I thank you for speaking to all of us through your word today in a very real and a practical and personal way. I know as I was preparing and studying for this series that I was convicted about some areas of my life and my relationships, Lord, that I I need to view more in line with your word and your spirit and and Christ-like character. God, I I pray that for myself and for all of our church this year. I pray this would be a, a radical year of loving people like Christ thanking God for people in our life, applying these principles, and that we would truly begin to understand what happiness is really all about and where it comes from. Thank you for those putting their faith and trust in you. We celebrate new life in Christ this morning. What a great way to start a new year here at Orchard Church. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate starting a new year with new life in Christ? Those that make decisions. Amen. If you made a decision for Christ this morning, you raised your hand and said, yes, I accepted Christ, please let us know about that on your connection card. Just give us your information because we just want to continue to pray for you. We'll send you a little book in the mail that will help you in your walk with Christ. If you're a first-time guest, thanks so much for being our guest here at Orchard Church. We hope we've been as much a blessing to you as you have blessed us with your presence this morning. Hopefully you fill out your guest connection card. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We are not interested in your money today, first-time guest, but we are definitely interested in getting to know you. We'll send you a thank you note, a free gift in the mail. If you are a first-time guest, I'd love the opportunity to meet you personally. If I haven't already, I'll be standing out uh, by the white tent when we leave. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about happiness in happenings. You know, sometimes it's hard to be happy based on what's happening in our life. We're going to talk about how to be happy no matter what, no matter what the circumstances are. I mean, Paul is writing this from prison. It's not a happy place. And so it's going to really be practical and encouraging to you guys. And so this is going to be a great study. So you don't want to miss that next week. Let's stand as we close a response of worship, worship through our sacrificial gifts. In 2016, we want to be a church that learns to give first, save second, live on the rest. So let's practice that. God bless you, Orchard Church. I love you. Happy New Year.